2: Wonderful Wednesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, live on Oilers Nation YouTube, presented by our title sponsor, always happen to us, our partner, PlayAlberta.ca, where you can stay in the game, have some fun. If you've never tried it, you can check it out. Uh, use the uh, promo code SPORTS50 and get a uh, free $50. Dollar wager, the uh, Edmonton Orders have won three in a row. Once again, second time this season, second time in their last nine games, uh, the Edmonton Orders uh, look like they have emerged from their early season hibernation and have found their game. I thought that was a pretty solid game last night. You know, it's four to two; the game's in the con- in control, and an unlucky break. Let's call it what it was. DeHarnay and Ernie were both in the right spot. They both get a stick on it. The problem is De'Arne hits it, Ernie hits it, and then it ricochets right to Hutton. Uh, Would you want to save there? Maybe. But it's an unlucky one. The uh, the fourth goal, definitely you would like a, a better clearing attempt, no question. But if if you don't have kind of an unlucky break there then i think the order's overall and then even look it was interesting so i spoke to matthias yanmark today about the uh, the goal off the face off and what happened and i really like that you know he outlined what happened so if if you remember there was him and Nugent hopkins lined up at the right hash marks in front of the net right and i w- i went back afterwards and i i watched the replay again so they had a set play set on what they were going to do based on how vegas was aligned and if mcdavid wins the face off cleanly and both Nugent Hopkins and Yanmark thought he had won it cleanly. That's why they both left. Now, you know what? And not they left. And if you watch the faceoff, he wins it. Then, like, he wins it clean, but it kind of goes up in the air. Then it bounces, and he goes to hit it again. It goes over a stick. The Vegas guy takes a whack at it, goes right to Amadeo in front scores. And you know what? Um, Ekholm, Yanmark, Nugent Hopkins all thought they were winning the faceoff. Because it looked like they were winning. And, you know, when you have a set play like that, now some will tell you, hey, make sure it's 100% valid. But it wasn't one where Nugent Hopkins and Yanmark was a lack of communication. They both thought he was winning it and they had a set play. And what was going to happen on that play, if you go back and look at the Vegas, how they were aligned, was if McDavid wins it cleanly, which they thought he was, they were then going to ring the puck around. That's why Yanmark was busting up. Because you ring it around, and if you watch where their blue line, the guy wasn't going to get it, and then it was going to be a race. He would have been going for it all the way. He likely would have a step on him. Uh, maybe you get an, an odd man rush. Maybe you get a one-on-one. Who knows? But that was the set play. It didn't happen. So uh, for people wondering, which, which I think it's good to discuss that. It's always good. You see it, and you're like, what is going on? So uh, now you know what what happened on that play. Yeah, Mark tells me, he goes, you watch that face off, you watch and it, and it looked like he won it, and uh, take that double bounce, and then it goes right to Amadeo. He goes, pretty unlucky. Sure, you would like, in an ideal world, you never want to make a misread, but more often than not, when uh, the first swipe from that face off by McDavid, the way it's going, that puck's going in the corner. It just didn't go there, so, you know what, uh, but kudos to the orders. They didn't let that dissuade them. They didn't give up a lot in that game. At all. So, you know what? Uh, their team defense uh, continues to improve, and now Vegas is not an offensive juggernaut. I think it's fair to point that out, right? They're they're I think 17th in goals for, right? They're not a juggernaut by any stretch, but they're defending Stanley Cup champions. They know how to win. They can capitalize if you make a little bit of an error. And hey, but the orders capitalize on their errors, right? Like look at the McDavid goal. How many times that happened? Not very often. So. Edmonton made the most of it. Janmark gets a goal. And Zach Hyman comes up with an illness. So Sam Gagne draws in on the fourth line. He scores. Yanmark gets promoted to the first line. He scores. Evander Kane gets promoted to the first unit power play. He scores. So you have players got an opportunity. They score. And they're getting contributions. Like, look at it. Down the lineup. Look at how many goals they've had from guys down the lineup lately. Hamlin. Gagne. Now, Yanmark, yeah, he's he's filling a slot for one game. He's not a top nine guy, but given an opportunity, he produces. And uh, obviously, Connor McDavid, twelve points in three games, uh, fifteen points in his last five games. Connor McDavid is back, and uh, he's back with vengeance. Right? He has. Uh, he's played excellent. You know, Kane keeps scoring. He's got eight goals in his last eight games. Zach Hyman, before the uh, illness, he had twelve goals on the season, probably being their most consistent forward, start to finish, this year. And now the orders, obviously, there's things uh they want to improve. There's no question, right? Like, they're, they're going to need better goaltending. Their safe percentage still as a team is not where it wants to be, right? It's, it's uh, it's not good enough. It's got to be better, right? We all know that. So uh, we'll see. I will say this in conversations I've had because there's a few things that I think are topical to discuss on the show. And you can get involved. You can text us 833-401-1440. In our Jiffy Lube inbox, that's where you can. Uh, the text line we'll get. To. We'll get to uh, all that coming up uh, on the show today. Uh, Connor, as always, has uh, a solid lineup uh, uh, lined up. Once he sends it to me, so uh, I'll know who it is. Hey, Cons, what's going on? Where's the lineup?
1: Great question. I thought I sent it. Well, give me two minutes here. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I can tell you who's coming up today. Well, why know? don't you do that? Uh, Dave McCarthy at 2.20. Sure. We've got Tyler Uramchuk of Oilers Nation at a 3 o'clock. Who is it? I can't say who it is, but Gregory, you'll you'll hint at that.
2: I'll give you some hints,
1: yes. <laughs> we've got uh, Rupper at 4 o'clock. Kyle Chipchura, former NHLer, at 4.20. Uh, he's with the Oil Kings now doing player development. So he'll be by at four twenty-five. Five questions, spec at five, and then
2: we'll go in the room at 5.20. Ooh, okay, I like that. Uh, for who is it Wednesday? I'll give you a few hints. Okay. Uh, this, uh, guest today, uh, had a pro career that lasted over a decade. He, uh, he won a championship, so he has a ring as a player. He also has a ring as a coach and his Jersey number is retired by his team. Let you think about that one. Hmm. If you know who it is, who is it Wednesday? 833-401-1440. Those are some of the uh, few hints for you. All right. So uh, I'm looking forward to this guest. Um, A, because I know the personality, uh, the personality will make for uh, for entertaining uh, purposes for sure. So, and uh, should have some great stories. And, you know, when you have a pro career that lasts that long and you have some success as a player and as a coach, it's pretty good. So uh, that's coming up today at 3 o'clock. Um, text line 833-401-1440. Uh, there'll be some questions. So Philip Broberg, I think, is a val- valid question. Philip Broberg, when you when you look at it, how many games has Philip Broberg played where, you know what, the, the Orders had six defensemen? Right? Remember now, prior to acquiring Matthias Ekholm last year, Broberg and Bouchard, that's probably the last time that Broberg played consistent games where they had six defensemen in the lineup, right? Which which means as one of the six defensemen, you know, you're getting a steady dose of playing time, right? So that's kind of, that's where I would look at really. Other than that, game one this year, right? Any others? Not many. I right, like Philip Broberg has played 21 games since February 28th when Ekholm was acquired in 2023. He's played a total of 21 games. Do you know how many of those games he played more than 10 minutes? Well, I'll tell you. Seven. And, uh, you know, a few of those were 12, and, you know, the orders are, you know, they're either getting blown out like the Ranger game this year. Or they're blowing teams out. Vancouver, the season opener this year was when he played the most minutes, 16 03. And that's when they had six defensemen. Lots of the other games, they had seven. Now they did have six against, uh, Nashville as well. That was it. And Broberg played pretty well that game. So Broberg, when you look at it now, if, if no injuries occur, I think eventually they'll send him down because he's got to play. But. There was a conversation, had, with the organization of Phil Broberg about playing. And because they have a new coach here, Broberg wants the new coach to see him in practice so he kind of has a sense of who he is. And I understand that for a player, right? You want them to know, okay, this is what Phil's capable of. And if an injury occurs, when it does, that's the guy we want. Now, I think it's going to be that guy anyway. So I understand as a young player why you want to try to make a good impression. So he'll stick around. But if in a few more weeks... There's no injuries. And DeJarney has played really well. Right, there's there's really no one you're going to take out. So then they would send Broberg down. And I, Right now, if it was today, the defenseman called up would probably be Denine He's been their most consistent defender at the American League level, I was told, talking to people that have watched all the American League games. Neiman Lyons is a little bit banged up right now. But it might be Camden. Now the guy they recall is most likely not going to play. And if there was an injury after Broberg sent down, he gets into a few games, then they would probably swap him and Denise at that point, and Broberg would come back up. So that's where you're at on Broberg. Now goaltending—it's going to be a question. I think it's going to remain a question. I this is if I had to look at my crystal ball, this is the scenario I see playing out in December. I envision the orders. Now, so there's a caveat to this. Assuming he plays okay. Jack Campbell, uh, Bakersfield plays tonight, and then they play twice on the weekend. I would expect Jack Campbell's going to play two of those three games. Played tonight, and then one of them on uh, Friday or Saturday. As long as, you know, he's not getting lit up for six goals and playing terribly. If he just looks solid, I think that sometime during the six-game homestand, you're going to see Jack Campbell recalled and get in a game. I think they feel like they're paying him money. They they want it. Last year, remember he struggled. He came back, and in January, he was excellent for them. Remember when when Stuart Skinner and his wife were having a baby and he was gone and then there's an the all-star break? Campbell played what? Nine in a row? Played really well. So I, I think they're gonna look and give him an opportunity first because the chances of trading Jack Campbell is you could trade Jack Campbell, but you're gonna have to give up two firsts, minimum two firsts, plus something else so then even if you freed up and you get some cap space then what happens what do you have left for assets to get the other pieces the team needs right like that's it sucks it hasn't worked out so far it might never work out but that would be my guess that that's what you'll see first now the caveat is what if Jack Campbell here in these two games struggles well then you might just see Calvin Pickard for, for a short period of time and see what happens Right. Cause remember, I don't know how closely, Connor, you watched or any of our listeners watched. Do do you know who salvaged Florida Panthers season last year? Ooh, you're talking a goaltender? Yes. It was Lion. Lion yeah. came out down the stretch. He was their guy. They didn't expect him to be the guy. He became the guy for now, is he the guy long term? No. That position, man, you just sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. So maybe Pickard's that guy for ten games over the next three months, maybe. All right? Obviously, they want Stuart Skinner, and Stuart Skinner will get a chance. He's going to play tomorrow against Winnipeg. Then I think Skinner's going to play Wednesday against Carolina. He'll likely play Friday against Minnesota, and then they'll have the choice. You can either go Sunday afternoon, he gets the day off, or the following Tuesday, which is uh then, what's that, December 14th, right? Oh, no, 12th. Because they play the six, yeah, it'd be the twelfth. I think those are the that's where you're gonna see either Campbell or Pickard. If I'm looking into my crystal ball, that's what it's telling me. So that's where you're at on the uh, the Jack Campbell, uh Phil Broberg situation. Uh also chatted with uh Sam Gagne uh today. You know, Gagne just he wants to be ready when he gets the opportunity, he wants to be ready. He said what's really helped him because he's he's obviously never been a healthy scratch for this many games in his career was he came into this season. His expectation was that he, he probably physically wouldn't be able to play every game. Right. So that's what he told himself. So now he believes he could play every game now. But because he had that mindset, he's not like desperate and in despair because he's not playing. Obviously, he wants to play. But it's, it's actually helped him a little bit because his expectations when the season began when he got, was that coming off of the double hip surgery, he might not be able to play all the time. He says there are days that he feels great and then other days not so much. But for the most part, it's way more positive than negative. And Gagne gets in last night, puts a puck on net, gets a goal, crowd goes nuts. He has the big celly. His teammates love it. They were talking about it today that you know, you see a player like Sam Gagne. Hey, scoring in the NHL is hard, man. I, I've never understood a guy who doesn't celebrate. I'm like, I don't care if it's goal five hundred. It's hard to score. It's hard to do. Everybody would love to score. But it's hard to ask Ryan McLeod. You think he'd like to score? Oh, yeah, he'd like to score. No question. Now I get Ryan McLeod is struggling. And people want to give up on it. I don't give up on Ryan McLeod. I think Ryan McLeod's doing a lot of things well. The one thing he has to avoid, though, is up until last night in the third period, I hadn't seen his offensive struggles bleed into his defensive struggles. We saw that in the third period, right? Lack of confidence with the puck a few plays. And so that's going to have to be his biggest challenge. Is Okay, if I'm not scoring, yeah, that sucks. But I can't allow it to now suddenly have me not being good defensively. Because his line has carried the play going back when he was with Holloway and Fogle. You know, all of their numbers, out shooting, all that stuff's great, but at some point you got to score. Right? There's no question. Would you like them to see him take it to the net a little bit more? 100%. Right? Not miss the net as much from good areas? 100%. He still does despite the misses, and he's got way more misses this year per game than he had last year. He still is shooting from high danger areas more this year. So he's getting in better spots. He's got no luck right now. He's got no finish. And... Sometimes, man, you just got to you got to grind down. Like, no one's going to help you. You got to grind down. So I still think when the season's over, if he's healthy, McLeod is a guy who's in double-digit goals, 11 to 13. That's what I'm guessing. Right? It's uh, There's lots of arrows pointing the right direction for him. Uh, would you want him to be a little bit more physical? Yeah, but that's not who he's not going to be. Like, when people compare him to Todd Marchand, I think you're undervaluing how ferocious of a competitor Todd Marchand was. He was an angry little cuss. And I say that in a constructively positive way. He competed hard. right? Todd Marchand played with a chip on his shoulder all the time. That's what made him a very productive NHL player for what his role was. Right? Now, he didn't score a lot of breakaway goals, but I think everybody listening right now knows one that he scored, and it was pretty big. As they say, they don't ask... How many sometimes or how often, but just how many and when? That was one of the greatest goals in Edmonton Oilers playoff history, from a guy who didn't score a lot of breakaway goals, but for that day, he was an elite breakaway scorer, and that's all you need. So, uh, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I don't feel McLeod is is going to be a hugely offensive productive player. Right? I'm not sure that's in his DNA, but he does lots of things. And did you notice last night? Even though his parts of his game aren't there, look at his face-offs. Right? He's improved a lot in his face-offs. He was our best face-off guy by a mile last night. So you you have to look at the whole thing. I get the frustration. I think it's valid to say, hey, he needs to produce more. Would I like him to be more physical? Yeah. It's not him. So at some point, you got to be like, guess what? Now I will say, Ryan McLeod, to his credit, I thought in the postseason last year he elevated his com- his competitiveness. So he's capable of it. So I'm not giving him a free pass. I'd like to see more of it, no question. Are we going to see it a lot in the regular season? Nah, probably not. If I'm uh, if I'm guessing, probably not. So uh, Dave McCarthy will uh, join us. We we got a, a few text uh, guesses uh, so far. You're all incorrect. Just uh, I'll just let you know, uh, incorrect. We've had Jason Moss, Bob Beer, Steve Ott. I like it. You're thinking outside the box, but uh, none yet. We'll take a quick break. We'll return on the Jason Greger Show presented by Play Alberta. We roll through Wednesday afternoon. How are you? It is The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Coming to you live from the Ewell Studio, your local electrical distributor and a huge sports fan, just like many of you. And uh, they just want to say, hey, be ready for an electrifying show. Light up your day. That's what they do all the time. They can help you out. Uh, you need a little bit more uh, light in your life, they can help you out. E-W-E-L.ca. Hey, uh, our uh, our first guest on the show today. Uh he he's always a bright light of uh of entertainment and uh information from uh Sirius XM as we uh, go around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's and ooh baby, try it. The McDonald's McPick Small Combo, tasty junior chicken or McDouble with small fries and a fountain drink for only 5.40, 5.79 plus tax right now. At McDonald's, Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM joins us. Danger Dave, what's happening, my man?
4: I'm good, Gregor. What's up, buddy?
2: Ah, oh, you know, hey, lots is changing. Uh, there's a few teams in uh, Western Canada, uh, specifically in the Pacific Division, that are starting to win some games. And uh, you know, Calgary and Edmonton uh, playing up to I think the the standards, especially Edmonton, and even Calgary. I thought Calgary was a team that was going to be a lot better than they have come out, out of the gate, uh, same as Edmonton. So uh, you know, they, they seem to be uh, to rounding into form. Well, we've seen a few of the top teams, Dave, like Boston, all of a sudden's leaking five goals a game, which doesn't happen uh, very often. Vegas is in a little bit of a funk as well, so it's. Uh, the up-and-down part of an NHL season.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, really, we're at a quarter of the way through the schedule right now, and um, you know, no team is going to go on a run the likes of which Boston did at the beginning of the year or Vegas did at the beginning of the year for the entire year. I mean, Boston kind of did it last year, but that's just not going to happen very often. So what you'll see, you tend to see it every year, is you get – some teams that get off to bad starts go on on runs and come back a little bit toward the pack. Um, but it, it's always interesting to track because what you do when you start off poorly is you leave yourself really no room for further error. And uh, in order to get yourself back into a playoff position and to keep it there, you've got to continue to play at a really high pace. And that's a lot to ask um, of any team to play the final sixty games at such a high clip to resolidify a playoff position, uh, let alone a team that started poorly for the first fifteen to twenty games. So uh, we'll see. I think that's why why we so rarely see significant amounts of teams that uh, were in the outside of the playoff picture at u.s thanksgiving find their way in by the end of the year because of what i just said you have to go on such a long run for such a long amount of time um to 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 get back to where you want to be so you know there's always a few like i I think new jersey's really starting to find it uh heck of a game last night coming back in the third period uh, down two, win in regulation against team they're trying to catch that's big win they've been decimated by injuries uh through through much of the first quarter of the year. They've missed Nico Heesher for, for eleven games. Um you know, Timo Meyer's been in and out of the lineup. Like these are important guys. Dougie Hamilton seems like he's banged up now a little bit. But I think they're going to be able to figure it out. You mentioned Edmonton and Calgary. They're starting to come. Um the good thing is in that division teams like Anaheim coming back to the pack. So so maybe they can continue to climb, but it's going to take um Sustain quality play from really here on out. There's really no more room for further error for these teams.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the West is, uh, there is some room for error there simply because, um, uh, there's a lot of them that uh, were erroneous for a while there, Dave. So uh, the a uh, little bit of a turtle race, but it will pick up. Like you're not going. Although I shouldn't say it's never happened before, because in 2016, uh, 15 Minnesota made the playoffs with 87 points as a second wildcard team, and actually the ninth place team had 82. So in theory, they could have made it with 83 points, which obviously uh, doesn't happen uh, very often. But Calgary starting to to slowly pick it up. Edmonton, obviously, uh, of course, in the same boat. Well, I think Anaheim is definitely uh, coming back. Down to uh, to earth somewhat. Um, give me your thoughts on the uh, Minnesota Wild, uh, you know, the coaching change, they get the victory. Uh, what do you make of the Wild and do, do you think they can be another team that maybe rebounds and put themselves back in a playoff
4: race? I'm not convinced about Minnesota. When they bought out Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter a couple of years ago and we saw the cap penalties that they would incur for the following three seasons, I thought that at some point Uh, they would have one of those years where, uh, they just, they don't play to the level that they want to play at simply because they're playing essentially with a salary cap that's $14 million less than everybody else. Um, that's a huge cap penalty to try to deal with and still be competitive. And coming into the year, I thought they had overachieved to an extent last year. Like their team is okay, but. It, it really doesn't excite me all that much. And then what's happened is Kuro Kaprizov hasn't played very well this year. Uh, he was great last year and, and really uh, drove their team forward. So there's been some drop-off on, on his part. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I, I think their team is, is okay, but it just doesn't really excite me all that much. So um, I don't see them clawing back i mean they haven't even really gone on a little run yet like edmonton has started to over the last week or so like their hole is really really deep so i'm I'm not convinced as much that minnesota can do it um you looked at edmonton at the beginning of the year and i agreed with with what you were saying i don't know if it was on your show or when you were on mine jason was that look edmonton you look at their top players connor mcdavid leon dry and ryan newton hopkins the way they played in the first 20 games, you knew that at some point they were going to get it together. There was room there for significant improvement on their part. Other than than Kirill Kaprizov, I just don't know if they've got the the, the horses on Minnesota uh, to improve to the point where they will get chugging along And, and I, I just think the hole is is too insurmountable now for Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I think uh I, I think that's totally uh totally valid. Um uh, you know, I do Minnesota the the one wild card like uh, Kaprizov's got to get going for sure, right? Uh McDavid has gotten going. You know, can, now Kaprizov's not McDavid. So but but he has nope. to get going. There there's no question about it. They got no chance. I don't care what team you are. Um he, you can't go long term with, with that lack of production from, uh, from your go to guy. It's just, uh, it's too difficult, uh, too big of an ask, uh, to do. What about the Boston Bruins? You think they're maybe coming back down a little bit closer to the team we thought they might be? Um, now, or is it just a a weird string of luck for them? Because they, you know, we all thought, hey, maybe there'd be some struggles with their center ice position, and that doesn't necessarily mean that their goalies are bad. But if you don't have top center, sometimes Dave, you're going to have some defensive miscues and stuff. And Krejci and specifically Bergeron were obviously very good uh, defensive centermen. So, what do you make of Boston? Is this a little bit of a funk, or maybe they are coming back more to what the team we expected them to be this year?
4: I think probably a little bit of both. Um I expected Boston to be a team that was in the pack, the upper end of the pack, but but in the pack. I didn't expect them to run away with the division as they did last year and as they were appearing to do through the first 15 games or so. Um, I look at Boston as a team that has the capability to keep themselves in the mix until the trade deadline when they can go out and they can patch up some holes um that they have in their lineup. But I think as you point out, Chief among them is up the middle of the ice. They're gonna need to go out and get a centerman the same way the Maple Leafs are gonna have to go out and get a defenseman, if not two, if they have any interest in doing any of the playoffs. You're just you're not going to win if you're the Boston Bruins with what they have up the middle of the ice right now. You might be able to make the playoffs, might be able to win a round or two, but you're going to run into a team that's just better than you. Um, when when you have the players that they do up the middle of the ice, like Pavel Zacha, Charlie Coyle, these are good players, but they're not number one and number two centers on a championship caliber team so they need to go out and address that but but beyond that i think they're a good enough team where they will be in the mix and that's that's what i expected out of boston so um yeah certainly coming back to the pack a little bit but i don't think this is the beginning of you know to use a toronto analogy an 18 wheeler situation where the the truck's about to veer off the road i just think what they were doing in the first fifteen games was was insane, really. Um and and utterly unsustainable. So naturally you're gonna go through a period where you're you're not at that level. But but I also don't think they were gonna win at that clip moving forward for the rest of the year. So it's like a double whammy. You're gonna have some regression and then you're gonna start winning again, but not at the same clip that they were in the first fifteen games. So no I think they'll be fine. But that's that's what's going to happen is they're going to come back to the pack a little bit. Um, but I, I I don't really see there being trouble in the Atlantic division for them simply because you, you look at the teams right now, like Ottawa lost in in the 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 no. the, the enjoyment of the referees uh, announcement where he said everybody on the ice gets a 10 minute <laughs> misconduct, and, and we all chuckled and laughed. And that was funny. And, and it was kind of old time hockey. Um, what what's lost in that game was that Ottawa got pumped yet again. I mean, coaches are never going to point out to a game that yeah that was a perfect effort. Um, but that was darn near close to a perfect effort for the Florida Panthers against Ottawa on Monday where they beat them 5-0. The kill was good. The power play was good. They were good at even strength. And they ran them out of the barn physically. So that was concerning for me if you're an Ottawa Senators fan to see yet another no-show like that. Um, it really looked disconnected at times. Like you saw Eunice Corpusallo, uh, banging his stick behind the net after he stopped the puck. Like, fellas, any interest in coming back here to get the puck? <laughs> like, there looked like there was some weird stuff going on in Ottawa that they should be passed by now. So I don't look at them as a team that is gonna get, like, they're not a playoff team to me. Uh, right now, um, really, or at any point this year. They haven't shown me any indication that they're a playoff team. Buffalo is, I don't know, I'm, I am still need to see more. Um, they're trying to put it together, but, you know, let, let's let see if, if they can sort of keep their head above water until Tage Thompson gets back. Apparently around January 1st now, they're hoping he, he'll be able to get back, and if he can, that'll be a big help, but we'll see where they're at at that point. Montreal, forget it. Um, you know, and Detroit... Interesting they got Patty Kane, kind of came a little bit out of left field, but I still need to see a little bit more. Like, let's revisit Detroit in a month. Um, I, I think, you know, for Boston, the, the, the opportunity to, to get into the playoffs is absolutely still there in the Atlantic, because I'm just not thrilled with the competition at this point.
2: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Uh, Dave McCarthy from uh, Sirius XM uh, joined us. Uh Dave the the other team that uh, that I find interesting the uh, uh, like are you buying in like are you all in on the LA Kings is is this sustainable in your eyes for the
4: Kings Yeah they're a real team I like LA a lot I don't think there's a team with three better centermen up the middle of the ice and let's not get carried away Edmonton has two better centermen than anybody on LA but when you can give me when you can give me Anze Kopitar, Philippe Deneau, and Pierre Luc Dubois up the middle, that that's pretty deep, right? It gives Todd McClellan options in terms of a deployment standpoint. You know, do you want to put Philippe Deneau against another team's top line because he's more than capable of playing those minutes? He um, can take some of the heavy lifting off guys like Dubois and Kopitar, it puts them in a better position to score. Like there's just all kinds of options there for Todd McClellan. Um, defensively, I, I think they're really good uh they were not great through the first whatever it was when they were in town here on October 31st uh, Todd McClellan was still talking about the fact that they're trying to find their defensive scheme and and their identity I guess is what he said I think they've found that really well now in the last 3 weeks um their goaltending has been has been pretty good um and I just like the way they play. Like they they play um, a mature style of game. So to me, L.A. is absolutely a real team, um, a, a cup contender. Uh, I look at them in the Pacific Division. To me, right now, it's 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 L.A. and Vegas, and I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if it's L.A. that ends up tops in that division because I really like how their team is built.
2: Yeah, I you know, I wonder Cam, The thing about goaltending is Aiden Hill and we've seen other seasons, man. You know, system definitely plays a factor and I think their system in Los Angeles uh definitely is is beneficial to them. Uh there's no question uh, Patty Kane to the Detroit Red Wings. The uh, Wings currently have the uh, the 11th um our our 11th most points in the National Hockey League. Uh, they're tied actually with Toronto. Uh, what do you make of Caney said a week to ten days before he comes back in? How much of a boost do you think this is for the Red Wings?
4: Well, help. Um, obviously, he's got a history with Alex Debrinkett from back in the day in Chicago where they played real well together. Um, so that that'll be a good match. It'll lengthen their lineup certainly. Um, I think it'll 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 give them just more of an offensive punch. I, I think that's something that they they have required in Detroit for a little while. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'll ask you when you look at Detroit, if you're signing a one year deal, if, if you're looking for an opportunity to contend to a Stanley cup for Stanley cup, like there's seven, eight teams probably ahead of them on my list before I get to Detroit. Like I don't look at them as oh, yep, that absolutely a contender and now you add Patty Kane and and now they're off to the races. Um they they might get in. They they've they've been good so far. They haven't taken their foot off the gas, but I wouldn't be willing to bet all of my money that at some point this year the wheels don't start to shake and, and maybe fall off. Um before before I get convinced with Detroit they're gonna have to show me a lot more. So Um, Look, with with Patty Kane and Detroit, he's going to get an opportunity to play right in in a in a higher position in the lineup um, in a way that maybe he wouldn't if he joined a legit, legit cup contender. Um, So that might be something he values as well, given the fact that it was only a one year deal. And 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 part of this season ultimately is to show other teams throughout the league that he's still capable of playing at a high level. You need to be able to get minutes to do that. He's gonna get them in Detroit and if he performs well, it'll good it'll be good for him and it'll be good for Detroit. Um but I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised because I don't see Detroit as a cup contender. Right now, I don't even see them as a guaranteed playoff team. Um, so, so we'll see. But it, it certainly will help Detroit if if he can play even close to the player that he used to be. Um, you know, that'll that'll give them another punch, and I think that's something they needed.
2: Well, it also, man, if you're an Islanders fan, you're not liking it because uh you, you look at the no. at the East, right? Boston, Florida, New York, Carolina, people thought, okay, those guys are in Toronto, Tampa. Right. And then there was gonna be battles. And New Jersey with Hughes and Heesher and them out when they come back, I think everybody's expecting them to go. Uh Buffalo has found a way to stay five hundred despite Tage Thompson and some shoddy goaltending a little bit. And I just look at the Islanders, man, I don't see how they're gonna get in. Uh, Detroit all of a sudden, because Detroit and Philly, Philly's, you know what, i wonder if it's smoke and mirrors, but Detroit's got 26 points already, Dave, and you add Patrick Kane, I can't see how it's going to weaken their team. I think it's only going to strengthen it, especially if his hip feels good. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, I just think that gives them an upper hand on the Islanders, who, uh, who continue to be a team that, uh, you know, is struggling uh, offensively.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing with Detroit is, You know, unlike in in past years, the last year or two, where they've, I think, been auditioning a number of guys for roles and and putting younger guys in positions and hoping they can, they can, they can, you know, grow into those minutes. Like they've got legit NHL players in that lineup now. Guys like Andrew Kopp, you know, Alex Debrink, it's a quality score, Dylan Larkin, obviously um you know they went out and signed some guys in the off season to 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 bring in um more more depth like JT Comfer um m- my concern with Detroit always has been that they've got guys that are are miscast in other words playing a little too high in the lineup not that they're bad players but you know is is Andrew Coppers JT Comfer you know a good enough second line center to be um, to 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 be on a team that is going to contend for a playoff spot, or if you had either of those guys um, playing legit minutes as a third line center, you'd you'd be laughing. You'd be away to the races. That that's same thing with Dylan Larkin, like really good player on a championship caliber team on a playoff team. Is he is he a, a top number one center or is he like an elite number two center? In other words, would you like a center who's a bit better than like? I'm kind of a, of that mind. So that's my only concern about Detroit is that they've got some guys who are miscast, a good collection of talent. And, and maybe they, they get there by committee this year. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they're, I, I, they're not a doormat by any stretch, but I'm just wondering if, if they got, like, they got 60 games left. That's right? a long time. And I'm wondering if at any point they go through a real rough spot 12 15 games where they pick up like three wins and then suddenly they find themselves on the outside scratching and clawing and constantly chasing being like two or three points back um down the stretch that's tough to make up ground at that point so so we'll see but I'm with you if I had to bet right now um for a playoff team um between the Islanders and the Red Wings I'm picking the the, the Red Wings over the Islanders to be sure
2: Dave, good stuff, man. And uh, also, uh, I've never seen it called, but the old double hit in the shootout uh, had people uh, really scratching their head a little bit uh, last night. I know the uh, Panthers didn't love it. I watched the replay a few times. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And, and by theory, yes, it yeah. was there. It was it was pretty close. Uh, whoever caught that, good on them because um, I didn't see it. I had to watch it. I don't know how many times to finally see the one angle uh where it uh, where it showed up. But uh that was definitely an odd ending uh to a game that uh it obviously uh, personally uh, I quite liked.
4: I can understand why. And uh I spoke to uh Noah after the game and I, I said to him Did did you notice that there were Panthers literally coming back onto the ice as you were shooting? and he was like what really no i didn't even notice that it was it was just a bizarre set of circumstances the building had basically emptied jason yeah fans were trying to get back in i very nearly had submitted my story um as as panthers win i was able to get my my finger off the send button just in time I'll, I'll tell you what sometimes you go to the rink and that's what what makes it uh fun but what we do um, oftentimes, you never know what you're going to see. And on some nights, you will see something that you have never seen before. And, and certainly, I have never seen anything quite like that, the ending of that Leafs-Cats game.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Davey. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Okay, see you, Jason. That's uh, Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM. Quick break. We'll come back. Your Rem Chuck joins us next on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Two forty nine. How are you? Welcome back to The Gregor Show on Sports 1440 live on Orders Nation YouTube. And uh, speaking of Orders Nation, let's get to the uh, oil report brought to you by VolvoCarsEmmington.com. You have today and tomorrow, and then it's over. You can save $7,500 at VolvoCarsEmmington.com on any 2023 model or get 1.49% financing. Check it out. Stop in today or tomorrow. VolvoCarsEdmonton.com as uh, we welcome in uh, Tyler Uremchuk from uh, OrdersNation.com. The uh, Orders have won uh, three in a row. Now they're going to Winnipeg and, uh, you know, another tough test. Uh, no question. But the Orders, uh, even without their their most consistent forward, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, all the replacements uh, on the fourth line, the first line, the first unit power play, Kane, Yanmark, and Gagne uh, all contribute. And really, I thought for the majority of that game, Edmonton was clearly the superior team.
0: Oh yeah, I agree with you 100% in that assessment. I like the point you made about Hyman goes out of the lineup and it was next man up, right? Yanmark went into the top six, gave him solid minutes, scored a goal. Sam Gagne draws into the lineup. And I really like the look of him, Ernie and Hamblin together. They score a goal. It was a really, really solid effort from the Oilers and, you know, not not to be a homer or whatever, but I also think there was an element of them battling the officials a little bit last night. I felt like there were a handful of moments, especially late in the third. McDavid has the stick ripped out of his hands, no call. Like Edmonton wins that game four two, or maybe even by more than four two in regulation if they get a couple of calls in that game. So I liked the effort from Edmonton. <sighs>
2: Yeah, overall now they got to build on it. Uh no question. Um you know, and hey, when when a team's going, not every individual is going to be going. We saw earlier in the year there are very few individuals going and that's why they lost. Now, uh the majority of them are going. McDavid's obviously back on another planet. Um, Kane, Hyman have been pretty good all year long. I think the defense core, like, uh, people don't talk about it. Darnell Nurse here in the last eight games has been outstanding. Vinny DeHarnay has been really good. You know, Evan Bouchard, I haven't seen a glaring error from Evan Bouchard uh recently. I think their defense core has really tightened up. The back pressure from the forwards, five on five, has been infinitely uh more consistent. And last night, really, Tyler, was the first time I saw Ryan McLeod's offensive slump bleed into his defensive game, specifically in the third period where all of a sudden he's making plays with a puck that shows a guy who doesn't have confidence. And really up until that point, I know I hadn't scored, but every other element of his game, like his, his line mates were usually tilting the ice in the other team zone more often than not. they, They couldn't finish obviously, but that's the thing I'll watch for against Winnipeg is McLeod can't let the offensive frustration or lack of confidence bleed into the other end of the ice.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, yes, he's pushing the river to steal the low deadline in the right direction for the most part, right, through 21-22 games. Like, I think part of the reason why, I mean, there's other things at play, but part of the reason why you haven't heard like, ah, they got to scratch this guy or whatever is because at least bad things weren't happening when Ryan McLeod was on the ice. Um, I'm getting growingly frustrated with his lack of offensive production. I think it's great to sit there and say, yeah, he, they're getting a lot of shot attempts and they're in the zone and all of that. But at some point, like, it's not like this has been happening for two or three games. It's 22 games of him being this team's third line center and not scoring a goal. Like, at some point, you need to expect offensive production and just generating the chances isn't good enough. And if it's going to start bleeding into, into his defensive game and he's going to make costly errors like he did last night, then it's at the point where, okay, great. When you were on the ice, the Oilers outshot the opposition seven to three. But if you do that every night and you're getting outscored one or two nothing at the same time, then it doesn't matter. All the analytics in the world, you can throw them out the window. As far as I'm concerned, I'm usually a guy who digs those numbers. You throw them out the window if he doesn't start outscoring the opposition more consistently.
2: Uh, here's the thing:
3: a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
2: about McLeod is there oh yeah he's, but Ryan McLeod is actually shooting less per 60 this year than he was last year he was 5.89 he's 5.55 he had 78 shots in 57 games last year he has 29 shots in 21 games the one thing that I've read McLeod's actually and him and I talked about it and I, and I respect Ryan McLeod because we'll have an open conversation about it he's missed the net on some of his best chances and you know he admitted hey when you're fighting it now you're like oh my god I gotta pick the corner and he's like I just need to put the puck on net and, uh, you know, some will squeak through or more importantly, maybe you get a rebound on someone else bangs one home. Right. And sometimes you can build confidence off that. But I think he's actually missed the net on some of his best chances. He actually has been in better high danger chances more often. I think that's valid, but he's actually not shooting more and he's actually missing the net significantly more.
0: Yeah, I kept I made the joke a couple weeks ago, like he might as well be playing with his stick upside down some nights because he just doesn't shoot the puck. And again, it's great that he flies down the wing and then, you know, at the last second, he tries to cut to the front of the net or whatever. But again, if you're not scoring and then eventually not converting on those chances, it's for the large part, just empty calories. So I, I think he needs to do more. I think what you said about maybe his confidence being a little shook. Remember, there was that play last game or last night when him and Fogle had like this great rush, right? And then McLeod, it went a little too far. He had to catch up to it. And then when he caught up to it, it wasn't just a one-touch fire in front of Fogle. He like caught up to it and then looked down at the puck and then looked up to make sure Warren Fogle was still there. And then it was kind of a bit of a broken chance. Fogle fumbled it in front because he was a little bit too close to the goalie and nothing came of it. Like, if he's a confident Ryan McLeod in that situation, I think he skates onto it, snaps the puck in front, and it's a great a scoring chance. Instead, he felt like he had to look, make sure it was on his stick, take his time, dust it off. And it was like, okay, by the time you do that, do that, the other team's caught up to you and the chance is gone, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. Uh, Tyler, your joins us on... Uh... Sports 1440. Uh, so, Ty, when I look into my crystal ball, we know Skinner's playing tomorrow. Then they have five days off. So, Skinner's going to play against Carolina. I think he's going to play next Friday against Minnesota. Then there'll be a question. Do they play him against the Devils? Or does he get that afternoon off and then play Chicago? Or do they play him against the Devils and then he gets the night off against Chicago? So, that's the game where you're going to play your backup. And mm-hmm. it's I think it might be Jack Jack Campbell. By that time, to be honest, um, unless he just completely craps the bed in his two starts tonight and now uh, he's going to start one of the two on the weekend. I think if he's okay, I think that's, that's what I envision. What do you see happening?
0: I think Pickard honestly could get the start against Minnesota when you look at mini. I mean, again, it's there's some time between then and now, um, for Minnesota to turn a corner, but like if Minnesota is still just sputtering along, I have no problem going. Campbell against Carolina Pickard at home against Minnesota and then you can do Skinner again on the 10th against New Jersey Pickard back against the 12th and I know you probably want to lean on Skinner a little bit here but been doing that a lot as of late you don't want to overwork the guy you have a cluster of games at different points in December I think you could go Pickard against Minnesota and Chicago and then maybe after that is when I would sit and go if Campbell's passed a couple more tests you could look at bringing them up but I mean Pickard wasn't terrible in his appearances so far. Like, I thought he was fine that game against Florida. I mean, I know they lost. He still gave up four goals, but there was nothing crazy egregious there. And then he went and stopped 13-14 in a relief appearance against Carolina. So the point I made today on Oilers Nation every day is the fact that you have this big five- or six-day break, and then you have games against Minnesota and Chicago, who, if they're still struggling to score, those are good spots to play your backup. I think the pressure is eased on calling up Campbell and the pressure is eased on the trade front a little bit right now, just because you can manage Skinner's workload really nicely on that homestand.
2: Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they gave him uh, two, uh, that would, uh, that would be bold. Be risky. Um, now yeah. I, I guess so in one way, yes, but if your team defense continues to play the way it is, then I think you can get away with it. Honestly, I, I think then you possibly could do it for sure. Because, um, You know, the the risk is, do you go two out of the first four, right? That's where I think their mindset might not be. But I agree. When you look at Stuart Skinner's track record, when he gets that fourth consecutive start, there seems to be a little bit of a, of a dip. So uh, that mm-hmm. will be tomorrow, will be his fourth consecutive start. Then he has five days off, so that kind of resets it. Cause, well, two days off, and then they have practice, so that kind of resets it, right? So the fatigue's not a factor as much. But So I'm kind of more curious to see how Skinner, like, to me, at some point he's kind of got to get over the hump there and say, hey, I can have four good games in a row.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um The last few, like, he hasn't been horrendous, but the downside is, like, I felt like he should have had that third one against the Vegas golden Knights. I felt like that's a save or like you want your guy to step up, deliver in that moment. And boom, he kept, you keep the two goal lead intact and you're fine, especially considering how well they played. Like in that whole game last night, I'm just looking at natural stat trick. They they say Vegas only had five course events from high danger areas or shot attempts. You could call them from high danger areas. Like, and that matches up with what I saw in the eye test. Vegas wasn't getting a lot of dangerous looks. No. Um, And then you go back to the Anaheim game and, yeah, Skinner only gave up two goals, but again, in the moment, that second goal cannot go in when you just fought to tie up the game and then that one kind of, or at least it could have deflated them. So I agree with you. I think, you know, it'd be nice to see Skinner take a step up and go, yeah, give me five or six starts. I'll give you consistent minutes for all of them. At the same time, only his second full season here as an NHL goalie, never mind an NHL starting goalie at that. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it, I guess.
2: Yeah, the uh, high danger chances uh, favored Edmonton uh, in that game uh, overall twenty two uh, to twelve according to um, uh, Sport Logic and you know the uh, you know there was they didn't give up a whole bunch I didn't think um, the uh, the third goal there was a screen on it's kind of an unlucky play I actually I thought more so that if there was one it's the Amadeo goal I know he's open in front but it wasn't like that was a real heavy move that he had to make at all so. Um, but it was interesting getting Yanmark's description of that goal, and uh if and I went back and after I watched the replay again. If you watch, McDavid wins the faceoff, but where he wins it, it comes back, and so the players because they had a set play, so they see the puck go, and it looks like it's going back, but it actually goes up in the air, and then when he goes to hit it again, it bounces over a stick, and then the Vegas guy comes in and it whacks it, and by then Yanmark and Nugent Hopkins had left, and and if you watch Ekholm's reaction, he had leaned to the left because that's where the puck was. You know, you're anticipating it. And once you lean to the left, you don't have time to recover and go back uh, to the right. Um, it was a really good breakdown by Yanmark saying he goes, hey, you know what, you watch that, he goes, that's like a one in a 100 times that that play is going to happen where it looks like you win the draw and then you don't end up winning the draw and the guy gets it back. Um, so it was interesting. He said it wasn't like they didn't know what they were doing. They both jumped because they thought he had won the draw and they had a set play that they were going to win it back to Ekholm. He rims it around the boards because where Vegas's fence were and Yanmark, that's why he was taken off because he was going to the races on a set play on the ring around, so. It was just it's interesting getting the inside on what happens sometimes in a play. And, you know, you you have to react. You can't wait too long because that allows Vegas to uh, uh, t- to react. Um, but obviously you want to be certain that you win the draw. But he's like, man, it, like, go watch the replay. It looked like he had won it, but it bounced up. And then when he went to it again, it bounced over a stick. So kind of a weird play.
0: Yeah, that was one of those ones you watch it in person and you're kind of just like, Squint your
2: eyes, shake your head. You're like,
0: what did, I, what did I just witness that? Like, none of that made sense.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. Ty, thanks, man. Uh, we'll chat with you next Wednesday. Chat with you tomorrow. new episode of the DFO Rundown. Oh, Very that's right. Talk. That's right. All right. Right here on see our up. show. Yeah, okay. We'll see you tomorrow morning. It's uh, Tyler Remchuk from Waters Nation, as well as the uh, daily face-off uh, rundown with myself and Frank Ceravalli. Uh When we return, who is it Wednesday? I gave us some of the hints. Our hints again. He, uh, he won a championship. He's got a ring. Played over a decade as a player. Retired. Won a ring as a coach. Also, has his jersey number retired. Not bad. Also, uh, as a teacher. More we'll return on The Gregor Show after Connor Halley. Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.
4: Small details
0: are big surfaces? Tight corners or odd shapes? Flat, rounded, textured, or tall? Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.